All right, all right, guys. We are kicking off a new series uh, today called The Shadow. And, uh, man, I've been really excited about this series for quite a while and, um, and what it could do in our church and uh, really as a follow-up to our last series. Now, if you uh, missed a little bit of the last series, forgot what we did there or whatever, you can go back and listen to it on the website app, that sort of thing. Um, but what we did last series, we just took a deep dive into what it means to be transformed. Uh, that, that transformation isn't for a part of us, it's for all of us. We talked about emotional health, we talked about mental health, and, and that Jesus wants to transform the whole person. Uh, today is almost a sequel to that series. And so, uh, so you can think of this series as the Empire Strikes Back to last series, The New Hope, if that helps. I know, I know that's a good frame of reference for our church. That will bless you right there. Uh, now, if you are new, uh, my name's Mark. I'm the pastor. And we're just excited to have you here today. And if you are new, by chance you're here for the very first time, we've got a free gift we'd love to give you. Visit our welcome area out there in the lobby. Uh, we'd just love to give you the free gift we've got for anybody that's new here this morning. You've been coming for a little bit. Maybe I've never met you. I'd love to shake your hand uh, today or anything we can pray for you about, serve you, any questions you may have. Uh, visit us at the welcome area after church. We would love to serve you today. All right. Hey, um, I'm going to pray. But before we pray, I want to make uh, I want to say something to our church really quick. I want to make an announcement uh, to our church. Uh, something that uh, from uh, a conversation that we had earlier this week on a Monday uh, and, um, staff team, and, and, and this is something that's been on my heart, been on the hearts of, of several other people. Uh, one of the things that you're going to see change, uh, really won't affect the 930, one of the things that you're going to see change uh, in the next couple of weeks is uh, typically we live stream uh, the 1115 service. We are going, uh, at least for the month of October, probably longer, uh, but at least for the month of October, we are not going to live stream. Um, our, our 11:15 service. And one of the reasons for that is a couple of reasons. Uh, one, uh, our call is, our call as a church is to make disciples. And as we examine that, what fruit are we getting from that? We really don't see a lot of fruit from making disciples from that. And so we, uh, have thought of several ways to utilize the technology that we have. They're actually filming right now, uh, to utilize the technology that we have and make the video and other things available in different ways. So one of the things you'll see this week is we're going to take uh, pieces of the, of the uh, morning service and put them out in different clips, do some different things with them. Uh, and we're doing that so that you can share those online and invite uh, your friends to church. You will also find later on in the week, later on today, the audio of the sermon that we're doing right now will go up. The podcast is there. You can download the audio. You can listen to it. You can share it. Uh, that will go up probably later today, if not today, first thing in the morning. Uh, but later on in the week, you'll be able to watch a video of the sermon on the website. All right. Um, we just, we're, we're just really committed to this idea that church is a community that you belong to and, and what does that look like? And so, uh, churches find themselves in an interesting place. How do you do church community and, you know, the technology that we have? How does all that work? People are, it's like building the airplane in mid-flight. You know what I'm saying? We're try, all trying to figure it out. And so, uh, so, so that's just a little change that you're going to see. So we just wanted to make you aware of that. Like I said, we don't live stream the 930, uh, Anyway, all right, I'm going to pray and we're going to jump in this morning. Uh, would you pray with me? God, I just, I just so believe in what we're about to launch into, God, this month. I so believe, Jesus, in the power of it. 
Just this idea that if we would let some walls down, that you would come in, just like we sang, just like we sang uh, in, in the last song, you would come in like a rushing wind, and we would experience you in new ways. And so Jesus, I pray that, I pray that today and over the next couple of weeks, we wouldn't think about how this series is something that somebody we know needs to hear. Because God, we're the ones in the room. And so Jesus, would you help us over the next couple of minutes just as we open up your word? God, would you just make our hearts you know, just broken ground, vulnerable? And Jesus, we would just ask you, how are you speaking to me here today? How does this apply to me, land on me? Jesus, how is this for me? Because it is. So God, I pray that you would remove any defenses, remove any walls. I pray right now, just Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would move like a rushing wind. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, everyone in here has probably heard of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And so Dr. Dr. Henry Jekyll, he, he figures out how to make this potion, right? He figures out how to create this potion to separate the good parts of his personality from the bad parts of his personality. And if you know the story as it goes on, I'm not going to rehearse it for you. You can check it out, read it or whatever. Uh, but as the story goes along, if you know the story, you know that Mr. Hyde, this, this monster, this thing that lives inside of him, that, that nobody knows is there, but there's this other person living inside of Dr. Jekyll. And if you know the story, you know by the end of the story, Mr. Hyde completely takes over Dr. Jekyll. There is no more Dr. Jekyll. Mr. Hyde is completely taken over. Now, now, maybe that's a little outdated for you. Maybe you have no idea what I'm talking about. So a modern version of that is the Incredible Hulk and Bruce Banner. All right? And so I'm just going to nerd out this morning. If you don't care, it, just, it helps me. All right? And so if you're unfamiliar with that story, Bruce Banner's this scientist, you know, you know, wimpy-looking guy, you know, nothing really intimidating about his physical presence. But what you don't know, if you don't know, is that there is a monster inside of him. There's, there's, a, there's a great scene in the very first Avengers movie, the, the, the battle in New York, the end battle at the end of the movie. I told you, I'm geeking out this morning. There's a great scene, and, and Bruce Banner shows up, and people are, some of you are like, this is what revival feels like. It is. And there's a great scene, though. Bruce Banner's walking through. New York's just trashed, and, and there's all the other Avengers, and Bruce Banner shows up late, and Captain America says, listen, it'd be great if you'd get angry so that, you know, the Hulk could show up. And Bruce Banner has this great line. He turns around and he looks at Captain America and he says, here's my secret. I'm always angry. And looking at me, you don't know it, but, but I'm always angry. Then he turns into the Hulk and then we've gotten 23 Avengers movies since then. And so, um, but here's the deal. From on the, on the outside, you wouldn't know what's on the inside. And, and you might think, well, those are just stories. You know, that's just comics. That's just movies. Well, here's what we need to know. Here's what we're going to see. Inside of me right now, inside of me while I'm doing this sermon, there is a part of me called the shadow. And you can't see it looking at me. Sometimes it comes out while I'm up here preaching. A lot of times it comes out in conversation. Sometimes it leaks online. There is a part of me that you can't see. And there's a part of you that you can't see either. There's a part of all of us that we can't see. And over the next four weeks, we're going to learn who that is. And we're going to call it... The shadow. 
And so if you have a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up. We're going to come back to this verse over and over over the next couple of weeks. If you've got a Bible, I want you to go ahead and open it up to the book of Colossians in the New Testament. Earlier this year, we did a series through the entire book of Colossians called Above All. What we said there is that the point of the book of Colossians is that Jesus is above everything. You can go back and listen to that sermon series if you want. But I want you to look at Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 through 11. Colossians 3, 9 through 11. Now, the words are going to be on the screen, I believe. There they are. The, uh, verse 9 is already up there. But I just think if you've got a Bible, uh, it's great to actually have it on you so you can write in it, underline it you, using your phone, take notes or whatever. If you don't have a Bible at all, there's a Bible under a chair near you. Take it. That's your Bible. We want to give you that today, all right? Colossians 3, 9 through 11 says this. Do not lie to one another. Seeing that you have, now watch this, watch this language, right? Seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free. But Christ is all... And in all. Now here's the Apostle Paul writing this book to, the, to a church in a city called Colossae. So the book of Colossians, that's where it gets its name. Here's the deal. Notice Paul is talking to an entire church, not a person in the church. So, so he doesn't say, he doesn't say, hey, Tom, stop lying to one another. Verse 9. He doesn't say that. He doesn't say, hey, Sally, put on the new self, take off the old self. No, he says it to the entire church because this is for the entire church. He says to the entire church, hey, can we all stop lying? Can we all stop lying to one another and take off the old self and put on the new self? Take off the Old self. The old self is what we'll call the shadow. If you're taking notes, write this down. All of us have a shadow. All of us, every one of us, young, old, doesn't matter what your economic class is. Look at me. It really doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. You're here, you don't believe in God? Fine. You have a shadow. All of us have a shadow. So here's a question. What is the shadow? What is the shadow? Or as Paul calls it here, he calls it specifically the old self. Or some theologians and, and, and even psychologists, they'll call it the false self. What is the shadow, the old self, the false self? What is it? Well, well you can say, one, one thing that you can say is, one thing you can say is that the old self or the shadow is who we used to be before we got saved. Now, that's absolutely true, but listen to me, that's a real small piece of the pie. Because here's the deal. When you get saved... How many know that the day you met Jesus, all of your baggage, you didn't drop it. You brought all that baggage into your relationship with Jesus. Somebody say amen. Right? Some of you are like, I brought my baggage to church, brother. Right? And, and so, so, right, like who you used to be comes into that relationship to Jesus. Bible says we're brand new. We talked about this last series. Bible says we're brand new creations in Christ, brand new positionally before God because now we're in Christ. But experientially, our daily experience, we're growing and we bring that baggage into our relationship with Jesus. So yeah, a, a small piece of it is that it's who we were before we got saved. But listen, it's still on me. It's still, it's still in me. It's still in all of us. The, the godliest of us in here. I mean, even the Apostle Paul says, why do I do what I don't want to do? Paul says, I got a shadow self. The shadow self of you is the part that doesn't want to give God control because you want control. 
Anybody in here this week, you were put in a situation where you did not have control. My hand is up. Anyone else's hand up, right? How did you handle that situation? Right? Speed limit is 55 and the person in front of you thinks it's 25. And all of a sudden you wish your minivan came with a bazooka. Right? Right? Or is that just me? Again, I just feel like it's free counseling is all I feel like this is. You know, you know, but, but you put me in a situation where I don't have control. Listen, my name's Mark Combs. I'm addicted to control. And if you put me in a situation where I don't have any, I kick and I scream and I fuss and I fight because a part of me doesn't want to give God control. Mark likes it. Hello? Anybody? There's a part of us doesn't want to trust God with everything. Didn't want to trust God with everything. We want to take a lot of the slack on on ourselves. We want to take a lot of the ownership of, of, of things on ourselves. So we have a hard time trusting God. The reason we have a hard time trusting God, part of us just doesn't want to trust him. That's the shadow self. And that's how it shows itself. But the predominant way that the shadow, the old self, the false self shows itself in my life, in your life, the main way it shows itself is in pretending. To pretend to be someone or something that I am not. See, all of us, whether we know it or not, all of us, we package ourselves. You know what I mean by that? We package ourselves. So there are situations where we think this is who I need to be around these people. So what do we do? We become that person. This is how I need to talk around these people. So what do we do? We begin to talk differently than maybe we would around friends at church. This is, listen, I want you to think that I'm strong, so I'll act strong. I want you to think that I know a lot about a lot of things that maybe I really don't honestly know anything about, but I'm still going to give my opinion because I want you to think that I know what I'm talking about. I want you to think that I'm smarter than I actually am. I don't know what you'll do if you realize how broken I am, so I'm not going to act as broken as I truly am. Amen? Hello? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? It's the, I'm one way around my church friends. I'm one way around my coworkers. I'm one way around my friends at school. I'm one way online. And I like to pretend. All of us, we have this shadow self. The shadow self is that part of us that we project to other people. We pretend we are to other people, to the world. Watch this. To God. And even to ourselves. And look at what Paul says. Look at what Paul says, verse 9. Look back, look back at it. Let's see if we can put it back on the screen. Look at how verse 9 starts off. Do not what? Jacob is the only one in here that knows it. Thank you, brother, for coming. J- Jacob was at Kings Island for 24 hours yesterday. Still here at the 930 service. Give it up for Jacob Rouse. Helping our students out. Look at that. Look at that. Do not lie to one another. Now, when you read the Bible, you ought to ask the Bible some questions. All right. Let's ask the Bible a question that sounds simple, but it's really not simple. Let's ask the Bible a question. Look at me. How do you lie? How do you lie? Well, well, I mean, on the surface, it sounds like a no brainer, right? The way you lie, you lie with your words, right? You lie, you lie the way that you talk. How many people know, though, it's possible to lie in all kinds of different ways, not just the way that I talk, right? I think that this is what you think success looks like. I pretend that's what I pretend I'm that successful. I'm lying. 
I think that this is what spirituality looks like. If I'm going to go to this church, I got to act spiritual. I got to act like I'm following Jesus more than I really am at a deeper level than, than God knows I am, than I know that I am. But I'm just going to put on this front at church. I'm lying. When I pretend to be someone or something that I'm not, what I'm doing is I'm lying. He says, don't lie to one another. I love this quote from Henry now. And as he's helping us understand what the false self is, look at this. It's on the screen. He says, the false self is the self that is, look at this word, fabricated. The false self is the self that is fabricated. It points to the need for ongoing and increasing affirmation. Who am I? I am the one who is liked, praised, admired, disliked, hated, or despised. Watch this. If being busy is a good thing, then I must be busy. If having money is a sign of real freedom, then I must claim my money. If knowing many, if knowing many people proves my importance, I will have to make the necessary contacts. The compulsion, the compulsion to lie, the compulsion to pretend, the compulsion manifests itself in the lurking fear of failing and the steady urge to prevent this by gathering more of the same, more work, more money, more friends. See, the false self comes from at least three sources. The first place where the false self comes from is the false self comes from sin. If you know the story, think back to when Adam and Eve sinned against God. You know that story. In Genesis chapter 2, it says that Adam and Eve were naked and not ashamed. Listen, that word there, naked, it is more than physical nakedness. They were, they were naked, meaning that they didn't have anything to hide. Imagine this, before sin entered the picture, before the, before the fall, there was no shame in the human race at all. We didn't have to hide in any way. They were naked, not only physically, they didn't have any clothes, they didn't have anything to hide. They didn't have anything to hide from one another, they didn't have anything to hide from God. Genesis 3, as soon as sin enters into the picture, as soon as Adam and Eve said, listen God, we don't want to give you control, we would like to take control and live life on our own terms. Does anybody remember what the very first thing Adam and Eve did as soon as they realized they sinned. They realized they were naked and they made loincloths for themselves to cover themselves up. As soon as sin comes into the... Watch this, watch this, watch this. As soon as sin comes into the picture, humanity's first response is I need to hide. I need to hide from you and I need to hide from God. And look at me, we've been doing it ever since. Right? Second place that the false self comes from is our family. So you can thank your family that you're as messed up as you are. Your family or the family of origin, right? Some of us, we just learned how to pretend at an early age. Do you know what I mean? Maybe some of you, I talk to people and, and in their family, they got the message. Listen, when you're sad, suck it up. Don't cry. We don't cry in this family. And so you just learned at an early age that you don't show emotion. You never let anybody see you cry. Never let anybody see any kind of emotion or sadness at all. And so you just kind of suck it up and fake it. Or in your family, in your family, the message when it came to money is money wasn't simply money. Money equaled security. Money equaled identity. You were everything depending on whether you had it or didn't have it. And so since you got that message still today, money for you not, is, is it money? It's security. It's an identity. I talk to so many married couples in marriage counseling. And one of the things that comes up a lot of times in marriage counseling is that the problems that they have, 
their parents had and their grandparents had it and on and on and on down the line that it was just a generational issue in their family. And so our families can give us this idea of, of we need to pretend. Some of us, when we acted a certain way, we got certain things from our family. And we just learned how to hide and pretend from the beginning. The third place that the false self comes from is culture. Culture. Because the world will tell you, this is how you need to look. And if you don't look this way, then you're a failure. This is the standard of beauty. And if you don't live up to and meet this standard of beauty, then you don't meet the world's standard of beauty. And so all of a sudden, we starve ourselves. All of a sudden, we try to do all of these things to fit into this self that the culture is telling us we need to have. The culture tells us this is what the good life looks like. The culture tells us this is what success looks like. The culture tells us you be you. Be true to yourself. Do what feels good. Do what you think is right. And on and on and on. And all we're doing is we're getting, we're getting an image of this is who I need to be. But notice that God is saying through the Apostle Paul, you got to take that off. You got to take off that old self. You need to, you need to deal with the grip that the shadow has on your life and put on the new self. God says you've got to take that off because listen to me, church. Listen, God can only work through the real me, not the pretend me. Does that make sense? God can't work through me if I'm lying to God. God can only work in my situation if I'm honest about my situation. God can't work through a situation I wish I was in because I'm only in the one that I'm actually in. The shadow is constantly calling us to live in such a way that in the end result, it only makes us slaves. God is inviting us to freedom. And so people talk about all the time, I'm going to go find myself, Right? I'm going to go find who I am. I'm going to go find myself. And people go, travel the world, because maybe they got lost in another country they've never been to. I don't know. I'm going to go travel the world. I'm going to go find myself. Or some people go through a midlife crisis, and they lose their ever-loving mind and buy cars they can't afford and make horrible relationship decisions, all in an attempt to find ourselves. Look at me. The only way we can find ourselves is we need to begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us. And we will either define ourselves by our creator or something in creation. So do you see this in you? Do you see the shadow in you? Maybe you need some help. So, so I love this from uh, Pete Scazzaro, who I've quoted several weeks in a row here. Pete Scazzaro, he has what he calls the false self identity test. I love this. I'm just going to read through these 10 things. See if you can identify yourself in this. I'm reluctant to admit my weaknesses and flaws to others. I look for the approval of others more than I should. I'm highly offendable and defensive when people criticize me. If you're ticked off in this sermon right now, you're ticked off, that's your shadow. I ain't said nothing. I ain't ain't been following you. All right. That's just your shadow coming out. All right. Number four, I often become harsh and impatient when things are moving too slowly or my expectations are not met. I say yes when I would rather say no. Jesus, help me. I beat myself up when I make mistakes. I have difficulty speaking up when I disagree or prefer something different. I have failed the test thus far. I have a number of people I am struggling to forgive. They all go to the 11:15. My fears often cause me, we don't stream this, we don't stream this one, we just be honest. My fears often cause 
cause me to play it safe just in case. Watch this one. This one's real subtle. My body is more often in a state of tension and stress than relaxed. You see any of you in that? I see my shadow in this. I especially see my shadow in the one and two. I'm reluctant to admit my weaknesses and flaws to others. I look for approval of others more than I should. Listen, listen. You get a bunch of preachers in a room together. It doesn't take five minutes for one preacher to look at another preacher and ask how many people come to your church. And when that preacher asks another preacher how many people come to your church, you don't want to say the smallest number. So we have what we call preacher math. Preacher math works this way, that you take the number of people you know actually come to your church and round it up to the nearest 10,000. That's the way preacher math works. How many people came to your church and you and Jesus know, well, you know, you had about 100. How many people? Man, we had 1,000 yesterday. You're giving Easter attendance from a decade ago. You know what I'm saying? Right? But, but what am I doing? I'm pretending. I'm pre- How's things going at your church? Everybody's mad at church. Everybody's fighting at church. Church about to split. Brother, it couldn't be better. Listen, I'll just be honest with you, man. I'll just be, listen, can I just be honest with you? I, mean, I, I really want our church to get this. I struggle with this as a preacher because people have preconceived notions of what preachers look like, act like, and just the way that they are. So usually when people come up to me in public and they'll say, aren't you the pastor at Summit? My go-to response is, maybe. Because <laughs> I don't know what you're about to do. You know, I might be, or maybe I know the guy. You know what I'm saying? You know, because it's clear you don't go just from the fact that you asked. The shadow says we can lie. You know, I'm just saying. <laughs> you know, I find, myself, I find myself being guarded a lot of times as a pastor because I get really close to people, and I, don't, and I, and, and I have a really hard time when I get close to people who end up leaving church. And so a part of me says, just don't let yourself get close to hardly anybody in church. And I, and I find myself being guarded a lot of times with walls built up, even pretending a lot of times. I see this in myself. The question is, do you see it in you? Do you see this in you? Ways that you pretend, ways that we might lie. See, all of us have a shadow. Let's bring the, the plane uh, to a landing here. But here's the good news. We all have a true self. We all have a shadow, but here's the good news. We all have a true self. The true self is who I am in Christ. The true self is who Jesus says that I am. The true self is my identity in Christ. It's who Jesus says I am. Or as Paul says in verse 4, I think we might have it on the screen. Look at it if you've uh, got it there in your Bible. It's as Paul says in verse 4, Jesus is your life. Jesus is your life. Church, Jesus isn't enough just to hang your eternity on. Jesus can handle your worth. Jesus can handle your value. Jesus can handle your identity. But the false self says there's no way that's right. The false self is kicking and screaming against everything that I'm saying right now. Because there's a part of us, the shadow says, no, no, no. Jesus can save us from eternity, but we got to define ourselves by external things. Success and money and square footage and cars and how I look and how many followers I have online. Jesus can't handle all of my life because I need to look impressive to certain people. I need to fit in to certain crowds. Jesus can't be my life. He can be my eternity. He can be my 
my Sunday, but Jesus can't be my life. And Jesus, the true self, says back to all of that, verse 4, Jesus is your life. Jesus' summit is our lives. And listen to me, the reason that Jesus is our life The reason that Jesus is our life, that we can hang our identity on him, our worth and our value and our significance on him. The reason that we can hang all we are on Jesus and that he is our life is because nothing can take away who he says we are. And nothing can change the declaration that he's put over our lives. So if I try to define myself by the way that I look, how many people know looks changed? Right? Looks change. Nobody's still rocking the look that you were wearing in 1985. Right? You're not saying, I'm still, this still looks good. No, it don't. We've moved on. Right? Styles change. Social media changes. If you don't believe me, ask Tom and MySpace. Right? Or who I, look, all I, this is who I am online. Give it a year. Nothing can take from you who you are in Christ. That's exactly why he does what he does. Look at verse 11. There is not Greek and Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave-free. Christ is all. And in all, what he's doing there in verse 11, he's taken everything that these Colossae believers, that they could have possibly grabbed to hang their hat, their identity on. And he's saying, Jesus strips it all away because Jesus wants your identity. He's saying, listen, Greek and Jew. So people in this church, oh, we're Jews. We're better than the Gentiles. Greeks, oh, you know what? We're, we're looser. We're freer than the Jews are. Our national, our national identity is our identity. Paul says, no, 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 you're not. Circumcised, uncircumcised, circumcision. Oh, we're, we're sophisticated. We're the people of God. You're uncircumcised. You're second class. Paul says that doesn't matter. Barbar- barbarian, Scythian, those are just people who are rough and I'm not as bad as you. I'm not as mean as you. Slave and free, that's position of employment. Oh, this is your job? Well, here's my job. My job is higher profile, pays more, better than yours. Insert into verse 11 anything that people would try to use today to find their identity in. Well, I play on this team, and this is how much playing time I get. I'm Republican, Democrat, I'm black, I'm white. This is my GPA. Jesus is your life. And so what we need to do is we need to take off more and more the shadow and live into the reality of who we are in Christ. And listen, we don't do that once, we do it every day. Every day we take off the shadow and try to lean into who we are in Christ. How do we do that? Let me tell you how you do this. How can we see the grip of the shadow loosened in our lives and lean into who we are in Christ? It's going to sound simple, but hang with me. Here's how we do it. Here's how you do it. You seek God. You seek God. The way that you walk away from the shadow and, and, and pretending and lying and you live into the freedom of who you are in Christ is you seek God. And listen, don't seek God as a deity out there that you pray to and he's like a genie in a bottle and you got to rub him the right way. Don't, don't pray to God. Don't seek God like he's this impersonal force. Don't seek God like he's something that you brush up against on Sunday. Seek God like he's your father. Seek God like he's a friend. Seek God like he sees all the parts of you and loves every single one. Seek God. Because listen, as we seek God, as we go to God every single day, and we say, Jesus, tell me who I am. 
Jesus, I'm going to your word. Tell me who I am. Jesus, remind me who I am. And we get settled in. We get rooted in to who we are in Christ. That's going to help us resist the message of the world that says, look like this, dress like this, act like this, pretend to be this person. It's going to help us tomorrow. uh, Next week, I said tomorrow. Next week, we're going to talk about the religious shadow and leaning into who we are in Jesus means we don't have to uh, come to church every week and pretend we're better than we are. So seek God by going to Him every day saying, Jesus, who do you say that I am? You tell me who I am. And here's the good news. The good news is that as we're seeking God, God is seeking us. We'll close with this. I love Revelation 3.20. Think it's on the screen. Revelation 3.20, everybody knows it. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him. Eat with him and he with me. We use that verse to lead non-Christians to Jesus. You know, like you'll hear it quoted at evangelistic rallies. And and for people who need to be saved, we say, open the door. Jesus is knocking, open the door and he'll come in. You can use it that way. That verse though in Revelation 3, it's in a letter to a church. It's not to unbelievers, it's to believers. And and John says that this church, they actually lost their first love. They thought they were good enough. Their church was rich, it was affluent in a thriving city. They thought they didn't need God. They had strength on their own, money on their own, resources on their own. Their love for Jesus had grown cold. And here's Jesus, and he says, listen, I'm knocking. And if you'll just open up the door of your heart, I will come in. And I love the image. I will come in and judge you. Is that what he says? I will come in and I will beat you up for your sin. Is that what he says? He says, listen, if you will open up the door, I'll come in and we'll have a meal. And we'll sit down. And I will eat with you. And I will begin to set you free in deep ways. Here's here's what I believe that God wants to do in our church in this series, as we started today. I believe that what God wants to do in our church is to come in and eat with us and be our friend. And be our Savior. And begin to set us free in deep ways. But here's the condition. You have to open up the door. How do you open up the door? How do you open up the door so Jesus can come in? Here's how you open up the door. And this is also the key to seeking God. This might be the reason some of us are stuck spiritually. Here's how you open the door. This is the key to to seeking God. The way that you open the door is you got to be honest with God. You got to be gut level honest with God about where you are and what's going on in your life, about all of the details and where you are. You might not even like where you are, but you got to say to God, God, I'm lying. God, I'm pretending. God, I'm hurting and I'm acting like I'm not hurt. I'm weak and I'm acting like I'm strong. Listen to me. If you want to see Summit Community Church change, if you want to see Summit Community Church go to another level, I am telling you, this church would change in a minute if we would realize that we are so free and accepted and loved in Christ that we can be honest with one another. I am telling you, if we would be honest with one another, this church would experience a shift in the atmosphere. I am telling you, we would experience the presence and power of God in a way we've never experienced. That I am honest with you, that I am hurting, that I am weak, that I might be discouraged, that we can get honest enough to go to one another and say, I hurt you, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that, I'm sorry. 
I should, I shouldn't have said that. I should have treated you that way. I, I'm sorry that we confess our sins. One, I'm telling you, this church would change overnight. And Jesus Christ will come in in a way that he has never done before. And all we need to do is open the door. So right now, we're going to do that. Right now, I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer and just in a moment of honesty. Because if we can't be honest here, here's the problem. Here's the, here's the reality. If we can't be honest here, we're just going to lie everywhere else. If we can't be honest in church with family and friends and with God, then we're never going to be honest out there. And so I'm going to lead us in a time of prayer, and we're just going to take a minute or two. And if you're here this morning, and God has just been speaking to you, dealing with you, you might feel like you're pretending. You might feel like you, you do need that help. You might feel like you do need to be honest. And being honest can just simply be getting out of your seat, coming up here, saying, Mark, I need prayer. Being honest can simply be come out, getting out of your seat, coming and kneeling at one of these benches here at the altar on the front. But I just want to invite us in for a moment to be honest and open the door and see what Jesus might do as we let him in. Father, I pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, that you would give us the strength and the courage to stop pretending, God, to not lie and to open the door and to say, Jesus, I need you to come in. I need you to move like a rushing wind. I need you to wake me up. I need you to set me free from pretending. I need you to set me free from trying to be somebody that I'm not. God, I need you to set me free. So I'm opening up the door by simply being honest. I need you. God, we pray that that door would open in our church. God, we pray that that, 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 that door would open and that the enemy wouldn't be able to shut it. So Jesus, as you knock, I pray that today we would open up the door. And so today, if that's you, if God is speaking to you, just in a moment of honesty, I just want to invite anybody that just needs prayer for any reason at all. I want to invite you right now. Get up out of your seat and come up front right now. Come up front and kneel at one of these altars. I would love to pray with you, just encourage you. But if you need prayer this morning, you come right now. You come right now. You come on. You come on. People are coming. If you need to come, you come. It could be you need, you need God to spark in you a fresh love for Him. You come. God's just dealing with you, man. I'm pretending to be someone that I'm not. You come. I'm lying about this thing in my life that I really am addicted here. I'm trying to cover up this attitude. I'm trying to cover up this issue. And I'm done pretending. You just... Just come and let's just give God a minute as we open the door. Say, Jesus, we need you. That we would know that in Christ we are so loved, we are so accepted, we are so forgiven that we are safe. Safe enough to be honest. Safe enough to not pretend and lie. So Jesus, I pray that you would spark really a revolution in our church. God, that we, we can't afford to play religious games. We can't afford to, 
to just come every Sunday and brush up against one another and pretend. We need you and we need each other. And so God, as we begin this series and this journey over the next few weeks, God, I pray that we would be honest at a level we didn't know we could be honest. That you would begin to reveal places in our hearts where we have lied for too long. Where we've been hiding for too long. And so right now, just with every head bowed, with every eye closed, I just want to ask you, and you just answer by simply raising your hands. Mark, I've been hiding, and I want to quit. I've been pretending, and I want to stop. I want to come out of the shadows and open the door to let Jesus in. If that's you, just put your hand up. God knows the specifics, but if that's you, just put your hand up right now. There's several hands. There's another one right over there. Amen. Anyone else? There's one right there in the back. There's one right there. I'm just done pretending. There's another hand. But you might be here today and and you need Jesus in your life in a real way, in a fresh way for the first time. Maybe you believe in God and you're a good person. Maybe you enjoy church. You consider yourself religious, but you don't have a relationship with Jesus. If you are here today and you are lost, I want you to know today that you have not went too far. I want you to know today that there is nothing in your past that cancels out the love of God for you. I want you to know today that there is nothing that you've done, no place that you've been. There is nothing previously in your life that would cancel out what Jesus did for you. Today, salvation is on the table for you. Forgiveness is on the table for you. Reconciliation and a relationship with God is on the table for you, but you've got to say yes to it. And so if you're here today and you you know you need to be saved, this is your moment. Don't worry about what your friends and family think. This is your moment between you and God. Jesus, I need to be saved today. And if that's you, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And I just invite you to be honest with God and to confess your sin to God and ask Him to save you. And Mark, Mark, what if I mess up? We all mess up. There's grace when we do. There's forgiveness when we do. So you just come today. Today, if you, would, if you need Jesus in your life for the very first time, just pray this prayer with me wherever you're at. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sin. Come into my life and save me today. God, I give my life to you right now. Thank you for loving me and for dying for me and coming back from the dead for me. Jesus, be my Lord and my Savior, starting right now. 